Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Thursday, April 27th in Hong Kong, Wednesday, April 26th in New York. And coming up today... Shares in First Republic Bank plunge on word advisors have lined up potential buyers of new stock as part of a rescue plan. Shares in meta platforms jump after the company reports sales that topped analyst estimates. And Microsoft's $69 billion takeover of Activision Blizzard is blocked by the UK government. McCarthy's debt ceiling bill. Biden says any North Korea nuclear attack will end Kim's regime. Disney sues DeSantis. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. We'll begin with Meta Platforms. After the bell, the company reported first quarter sales jumping to $28.6 billion. The street was looking for something about a billion dollars less than that. So this represents a return to growth after three straight quarters of declines. Meta continued to add users in the prior quarter for Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp. More than 3 billion people used it at least uh, one of the products, I should say, daily. That's a new milestone. Some setbacks, though. Uh, Reality Labs, which is the meta division focused on kind of R&D, revenue there uh, down 51%. Uh, this is the division focused on building a virtual reality tech for the metaverse. Bloomberg's Mandeep Singh tells us the company will continue to pour money into this area. At the foundational layer is AI. They are harnessing a lot of that data. They are training their own equivalent large language models. Mm-hmm. But we don't know how they'll be monetizing it. It's yeah. not in the form of cloud infrastructure, which is how uh, Google and Microsoft are doing it. So we don't know what that next application will be, where they'll be able to monetize it beyond the ad pricing and you know the ad business they already have, yeah. which is firing on all cylinders when it comes to the monetization they, uh, yeah. they have right now. Bloomberg's Mandeep Singh there. Met- the platforms up as much as 12% in the late U.S. session. And if you go back from the first part of this year, Meta shares are up about 74%. Let's uh, take a look at First Republic Bank. Uh, the stock was down today quite a bit. This was after CNBC reported a rescue plan is in the works for the struggling lender. We have more from Bloomberg's Ann Cates. 
Advisors will try to persuade big U.S. banks who have already bailed out First Republic once to purchase its bonds at above-market rates for a loss of a few billion dollars, and they have already lined up possible purchasers. Analysts at TD Cowan say that while regulators don't act based on stock price, a steep decline could raise questions about the ability of a bank to raise fresh capital, and they believe there will have to be a broader restructuring of First Republic. First Republic last month got $30 billion in deposits from bigger financial institutions. In Washington, Ann Cates, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Now, separately, we are told U.S. bank regulators are weighing the prospects of downgrading their private assessment of First Republic. The move may limit the troubled firm's access to those lending facilities at the Federal Reserve. Well, as I mentioned earlier, tomorrow we'll get the latest report card for the American economy. GDP numbers for Q1 out at 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time. We have a preview from Bloomberg's Michael McKee. The GDP data are likely to present a picture of a U.S. economy that started the year strong before losing momentum. The strength of the report is expected to be consumer spending, particularly in January, although at least one bank suggests the government's recent statistical adjustments to spending may cut growth considerably. Inventory should be a drag, falling back after a big build at the end of 2022. Residential investment will take a hit from the battered housing market. And durable goods, as they showed Wednesday, show business investment has been tepid. Analysts and the Fed will have to decide whether the slowdown is as expected, given the Fed's rate increases, or if it signals trouble ahead in the next few quarters. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Well, it could be game over for Microsoft and its hopes of buying Activision Blizzard. Let's get the story from Bloomberg's Denise Pellegrini. The UK's antitrust watchdog is blocking the planned $69 billion takeover. The Competition and Markets Authority says its concerns can't be resolved by any proposed remedies. In the US, the Federal Trade Commission has already sued to block the deal, and the European Commission is supposed to rule by May 22nd. The Microsoft takeover of Activision was being billed as the biggest ever deal pending in the gaming industry. Microsoft and Activision both say they do plan to appeal that UK decision. Denise Pellegrini, Bloomberg Daybreak Meantime, the Biden administration is urging China to improve its protections for intellectual property. The U.S. says the pace of Beijing's reform simply slowed last year. Now, Washington has been closely monitoring China's progress in the implementation of commitments made in the recent deal. The agreement was signed after a two-year tariff war launched under the Trump administration. In an annual review, the office of the U.S. trade rep says China should provide a level playing field for IP protection and enforcement. It went on to say concerns remain about the implementation of China's measures. The USTR saying that China should open its market to foreign investment and embrace market-oriented policies. This is Daybreak Asia. I'm joined now by Brian Curtis, who's coming in from Hong Kong. Your thoughts as we get set for trading in Asia today? Well, you look at Meta, higher revenue at a time when you're reducing costs. That's a very good recipe for gains, and that's why we see such big gains after hours. But I think it's really not a good sign for the bulls, Doug, uh, to see the broader benchmarks not being able to rally today after such strong earnings from companies like Microsoft and uh, Alphabet. Uh, And so it may bode for or a little bit more selling in the market. We don't know. A lot depends on the data as well. But anyway, if you're a bull, you're probably a little concerned. And I noted earlier that the MSCI China index was able to snap a six-day losing streak. That may be significant. Uh, the MSCI China index up about that nine-tenths of one percent. And then stateside, 
We had the NASDAQ Golden Dragon China Index up about 1%. But I was struck by this survey published on Wednesday, uh, data shared exclusively with Bloomberg. More than half of Chinese travelers say they haven't plans to go abroad this year during the Golden Week holiday. Yeah, that'll be a big tell, won't it? Uh, the the Golden Week holiday is one thing. And then also what we might get from the Politburo. They're still expected to meet this week to look at economic priorities. Now, we had interpreted that in one of our main stories at Bloomberg, that this could mean less stimulus coming. That's what we're hearing from uh, from different economists around the region. But, you know, you're getting some really interesting cross currents here. Um, Pictay Asset Management is is calling for 6.6% growth for the full year for the economy. And Goldman Sachs is saying that strong earnings will lift China stocks. 90% of China firms giving positive first quarter guidance. Yet, we've had nearly half a trillion dollar sell-off that you mentioned at the beginning there uh, in Chinese stocks. So, albeit with a little pause in the selling today. All right, let's get global news next. We have House Speaker Kevin McCarthy Getting his debt bill passed. Ed Baxter has the latest from the Bloomberg Newsroom in San Francisco. Eddie? Yeah, boy, a major victory for him, Doug. He just snuck it through. His party barely coalesced behind him. Uh, Bloomberg's Emily Wilkins here. But McCarthy spent all day today twisting arms, getting folks on board. Certainly those handful of changes that they put into place at 2 in the morning were helpful. They addressed concerns that Iowans had about corn and biofuels. They addressed some some concerns that those across the conference had on when work requirements would start. Yeah, Republican Congressman Josh Hawley, though, repeated it's all about getting Joe Biden to the table. We all know how this is going to be resolved in the end, if it is resolved. And that is the president is going to have to he's going to have to negotiate. Now, President Biden has said today again he'd be glad to sit down with McCarthy to discuss raising the debt ceiling if McCarthy took default off the table. So it is passed. It will have a tough time in the Senate. Democrat Richard Blumenthal. There may be a way to combine the two, but right now let's do the debt ceiling and have an understanding that there can be discussions and conversations and even negotiations about what the total spending limit should be going forward in the next budget. So let's see if it even gets brought up in the Senate. That will be the next step. The meetings between presidents of South Korea and the United States come with a promise of increased deterrence against nuclear threats. President Joe Biden today in a meeting with uh, with South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol mentioned North Korea and Kim Jong-un directly. A nuclear attack by North Korea against the United States or its allies or partisans uh, or partners is unacceptable and will result in the end of whatever regime were to take such an action. He says the agreement signed today will have nuclear weapons deployed on, will not have nuclear weapons deployed on the peninsula, but there will be visits to ports by nuclear submarines. Biden saying nuclear attack is not the only thing that this partnership will serve. There's still a contest between autocracies and democracies. And we're the leading democracy in the world. And it's something I know a fair amount about, something I care about, and something that I have... uh, found uh, a willingness from awful lot of our allies and friends to follow. So at the briefing, President Yoon was asked whether the intelligence leaks in the U.S. threatened the relationship. With regard to that, we are communicating between our two countries and we are sharing necessary information. I believe that investigation is underway in the United States. 
And to that point, Bloomberg Sam Kim was traveling with President Yoon says they kind of expected the intelligence gathering anyway. There's American soldiers, about uh, 30,000 American soldiers stationed. Yeah. And, and some of them are stationed right at the center of the city. Mm-hmm. They still are. And there's massive intelligence operations. Not, I'm not saying they're spying on South Korea, but they need to do that in order to you know, maintain the security uh, around the peninsula. Sam says trust, very important part of the relationship, and both say that it is there. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. I'm Brian Curtis in Hong Kong, along with Rishad Salamat, and our guest is Jinbei Liu, who's Portfolio Manager at Tribeca Investment Partners, joining us from our studio in Sydney. Uh, Jinbei Liu, nice to have you on the program as usual. We mentioned it's an interesting environment where you have such strong earnings from the tech companies and the major benchmarks don't rally. However, if you pick the right companies, you're singing all the way to the bank. Uh, if you pick the right bank, that's the world we live in. Well, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Look, this is a crazy world. And, uh, you know, um, I would actually say this is really a a market for active investors. You pick the right company um, that will deliver you earning and uh, high expectations and growth. um, And that company is going to deliver a lot of return. Uh, uh, You know, this is not the uh, sort of market environment where you can just buy a benchmark and hopefully it will generate return. Uh, There's a lot of uncertainties out there. There's lack of generally a lack of investor confidence um, in, you know, just buying up or or the sectors, Um, you know, some of the risk, uh, tail risk that were previously thought were really just tail risk and now just become a little bit more significant. Um, And and that's what uh, sort of investors grappling with every single day. Well, you you say you've got to be active and nimble. Well, Mm. uh, I mean, surely you just put your money into a money market fund and uh, you're getting a decent return uh, fixed Mm. income wise. You know, that's one way of of playing Mm. this, I guess, and having the safety. Yeah, look, absolutely. But given I'm an equity market manager, that uh, I certainly think the share market represents significant amount of opportunity uh, for the right investor being nimble and uh, finding, you know, return opportunity. You know, you, we just talked to some of those, um, you know, great mega caps uh, uh, like Microsoft, like the Google reporting phenomenal results. Um, and, you know, so far this year, they've done very, very well relative to, um, you know, the likes of banks and, you know, the cyclicals that's being sort of under pressure at the moment. So uh, it's really... Um, um, yeah, put your money to work, whether it's fixed income. Um, my view is that capital growth is going to be quite significant um, and uh, in the equity market. So that's a good place for the money too. 
You're pretty positive. Uh, I note that in your three conviction calls, you you like U.S. Uh, stocks to finish the year higher. Uh, China reopening is gathering momentum. Uh, perhaps we can talk about that and that Australia will avoid recession. So uh, given that positive view, uh, let's switch to China. Is the China reopening uh, part and parcel of that positive view for even U.S. stocks and Australia avoiding recession? Look, um, uh, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, for Australia, China is a very important trading partner and a big part of our market cap is very much linked to the fortune of China. Um, and, um, you know, the well, uh, the reopening uh, thematic is well on the way. And I do think that uh, the progress has been uh, very, very promising. Now, clearly, there's, um, you know, star stop and then there's slowing data and consumption isn't as good as uh, as fast as what everyone expecting. But don't forget, every other market when we went through reopening, like Australia, like the US, uh, we had many star stop and it took years for us to really get back to that 100% um, you know, reopened um, activity. Um, and, um, you know, I think China is in achieving incredible progress. And in the next six months, we will see some of those data uh, gathering momentum. But, you know, you know some the, of the yeah. that's that's I think that's consensus. But why is why is the stock market selling off so much? Uh, you know, April Look, this, has been a really rough month. Absolutely. So stock market is really grappling with, um, you know, I think the China reopening is definitely happening, but uh, the stock market is grappling with what's happening with the US um, and yeah. Europe, some of the developed markets where things are really slowing down very quickly. And the, the, the I think the financial stress caused by uh, some of those regional bank, um, you know, going under or having a liquidity crisis is just really put some height, heighten some of those risks that the investors um, sort of, you know, ha have been worried about for quite some time. So I think this is what's happening. And right now, um, you know, certainly seems like some of those regional banks and the crisis, uh, liquidity crisis is contained to those markets. Um, but it, yes, um, you know, if it gets uh, started spreading into other markets, then it could put pressure or tighten uh, the financial condition. So don't forget, we are in this um you know, in this world where uh, China is trying to loosen the financial condition, trying to get it to going again, whereas everywhere else was trying to contain or trying to tighten the financial condition. Uh, so clearly, I know where the capital should go to generate return. Um, but, you know, a lot of global investors, you kind of if you have to be vested, it's, um, you know, it's, it's a challenging period. Well, obviously, a lot of money has also gone into uh uh, fixed income as well, hasn't it? Uh, but I'm just looking from an equity point of view. Uh, what are the, uh, uh, I suppose, uh, the geographies you like and the sectors within those geographies that you like and the ones that you absolutely do not yeah, look, absolutely. So, you know, our view is that, um, you know, given this, we talk to this uh, uncertain world, um, you know, we do think the quality growth leaders is going to do well. Companies that actually are not the unprofitable growth leaders is the quality that the company actually make, um, you know, make significant returns and high ROEs and generate growth is going to be the key um, return generator in this market. Um, you know, healthcare, we talked to before, is, um, you know, sits really well within that space where they have structural growth driver um, and uh, many of them have, um, you know, is going to have tailwind post in the post-pandemic world. Um, and uh, aside from that, we are seeing, um, you know, sectors where, um, you know, they've been sold off because of, um, you know, uncertainties around the world, but they are linked to the China reopening trade, um, you know, and we see those sectors actually represent really good short-term tactical opportunities, um, you know, as we, tra uh, we, we sail through this uh, yeah. uncertain period. Okay. Um, you, mentioned, yeah. you mentioned the geopolitics is one reason why stock have been uh, faltering in the China sphere. Um, now, you're saying that Australia will avoid recession. Uh, Australia is also kind of 
wrapped up in a lot of the geopolitics with China as well. Uh, what's the best play then for your confidence in Australia? Look, Australia economy, um, we, if you look at the, some of the data in terms of inflation and the like, it wasn't, um, uh, it didn't uh, rise as sharply as every other markets like the China and uh, other countries. Um, you know, it's partly because our, you know, lockdown and disruption to reopening was longer than other markets. Um, so in a way, we sort of avoided that peak of, you know, inflationary pressure. Now, our inflation is high. Our interest rate still yet to be at the you know the the reasonable level, um, but it cer- certainly seems like the interest rate increases is slowing down um, for Australia, and the in, uh, inflation um, read it seems to be sort of topping out, and that is you know encouraging uh, because we may not have to get to the interest rate that is achieved by other markets like the US. So you know so that mm. that together things are okay. Housing is not falling as bad as what people are expecting, so that creates a bit of a little bit more confidence. Clear- uh, I, I just want to just. Get one very quick one in. Mm. If suddenly we get to this announcement, let's say uh, the Fed went 25 basis points and went, okay, we're done. Uh, They just say that. How would the market react in your view? Uh, m- m- market will be very pleased but 25 basis point is being priced in so uh, market will like that and then in the next six months we should begin to see a very strong equity market on basis of the certainty of interest rate directions This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.